Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Healthy Peaceful Podcast. I am so glad you're joining me this week as I continue my series on Ayurveda, an ancient system of wellness from India that truly is meaningful and practical to our modern lives. As you know, the state of well being in the US is currently not optimal. Much of our healthcare paradigm is based on we won't fix it until it's broken, with very little emphasis placed on how stress and the accelerated pace of our lives impacts our health. Ayurveda is a paradigm that asks us to step up, to consider how each and every aspect of our lives influences our health. Instead of focusing on disease, Ayurveda attunes us to the subtle imbalances that percolate in our mind and physiology. When we are attuned, we gain the capacity to align and realign. We become powerful instead of powerless. We gain the opportunity for perfect health. Every week I explore these principles with a fascinating guest who is on the path, or I share what's resonating for me. Thank you for supporting this podcast and for being a co-creator of, in conceiving of and participating in the new paradigm, a healthy, peaceful world. Good afternoon, Mahalakshmi. How are you today? Thank you. Good afternoon, well. This is Noreen with the Healthy Peaceful Podcast. Uh, and I had the good fortune this week of attending and assisting your class which was essentially a January reset at the Shivananda Yoga Farm. Um, I love the fact that you really focused on a reset versus a cleanse. So describe the distinction between the two. That's interesting. Well, I have to say that a reset is or a reboot is a kind of a new concept. So how it unfolded, my idea of coming into the course was to look at things that weren't serving us, right? And then trying to take maybe something habitual and, and, and raise our energy level, right? So that the habit maybe goes to the wayside. It could be a habit of thinking. So kind of resetting our intention for the coming year. Mm -hmm. So really so start, starting out on a positive note. Or starting out on a work note. Where, mm -hmm. you know, I do, I have these things that, that tend to come up from my subconscious and I have a reactionary mind. How can I do the work to reset that, right? Sure. How can I do work that will reset my habitual habits? Absolutely. Okay. Um, wonderful. And you started uh, the class um, with a kitchery, using a mono diet of kitchery. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about how Kitchery helps to helps us to release um, mind body patterns that are no longer serving us. How, you know, for the for the week long with the Kitchery and greens. Mm -hmm. Well, Kitchery um, is a tool that you use. It doesn't actually do any of the release work, but what it does is it satiates the body and it's easily digestible. So that energy that you use to digest throughout the day, which is quite substantial can be, be sent to the mind, right? Can be coming to questions. So usually when you're doing a sadhana, say if you're doing a sadhana intensive, you'll use kitchery so the mind doesn't get excited. So the body stays, stays satiated, but without constantly having to stoke the agni, 
put in fire to the digestion. Mm -hmm. So kitchari is used when you want to let go of the eating thing for a minute, right? So you eat to, to sustain, whether to eat to taste, right? So you have the energy, but you can use that energy for other pursuits. Wonderful. And you also um, recommended using ghee as well with the kitchari. Tell me, tell me about that. How, how medicinally is the ghee important? Mm -hmm. That's wonderful because the ghee, this did kind of go seasonal because in winter we have a tension to go towards the vata, right? So we get very dry and it can be very, very drying for the body. So because of the asana practice, I wanted to oilate. I wanted us to keep us with the avyanga and with the ghee internally so we could, we could oil the joints so we could begin to feel the fluidity in the body. Right. So the postures are designed to unlock that fluidity. Wonderful. Right. So flexible mind, flexible spine. Right. Remember, the body and the mind are, are very much linked. Absolutely. And um, uh, let's see if there's anything else regarding the diet that I wanted to ask about. Um, you also incorporated what's known in Ayurvedic circles or yoga circles as CCFT. So uh, which is coriander, cumin and fennel. Um, so tell me a little bit about why drinking CCFT is helps in a reset. Mm -hmm. Well, so once the, the ghee loosens up different, different things in the body or the inflammation is satiated, that helps to further purge the body, right? So it, it, it takes, it chelates some of the things with the ghee and the kitchery that, that we may have in our colon and it, it, we urine it out or we sweat it out. So cumin, coriander and fennel can cause perspiration. Right, so we're also having our cilantro, and we're also having our ginger. So we're moving things in the body. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. So just drinking the CCFT keeps you hydrated, and the the, the things moving through the body. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, some of the daily practices that you incorporated with your students this week included abhyanga, which is the oil, the Ayurvedic oil massage. Um, why is Ayurveda, why is the Abhyanga important? Or in a few words, um, what is that bringing to your students this week? Or what is the importance of it in terms of uh, really incorporating that into your daily routine? Well, for the purposes of our course, and it's not necessarily a daily routine, but self-massage is a beautiful way to oilate the body and keep in, in present with the body, right? So we, we, we move energy. Because in yoga, we believe that uh, the nadis, which are the energy channels, can get clogged and can get, uh, get backed up. So that can be a place of disease. So, so in oilating or using an abhyanga, keeping with the upward motions and using the abhyanga correctly, we can release blockages in the body. Great. Wonderful. Um, so again, for the yoga practice, it creates a more fluidity. Mm -hmm. Right, we're keeping that fluidity in the practice. Okay, wonderful. Um, are there there were some other daily practices as well that you th you incorporated, such as nasya, which is um, mm -hmm. and nasya is essentially with oil, oil oiling the nostrils, but there's a relationship between the nasya and doing that in the mind. Could you could you speak mm -hmm. to that a bit? Absolutely. So the nausea, as it's, as it's used, and you can read much information on this in the text, 
is it absolutely creates the, the passageways. It creates a crea, right? So it allows you to oxygenate the blood more. So it creates a balance in the mind. It, it so many benefits. I mean, it creates a, a even tempered uh, talking voice. There's many benefits to it, but we used it as a Kriya, right? Because we were also doing Kapalabhati, which is a cleansing exercise of pranayama. Mm -hmm. So it's a Kriya, which means it cleanses. So the nausea helps to cleanse that area. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, Trefala was something else that you asked participants to incorporate. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about Trefala uh, and why trifala it's- Trefala is doshic mm -hmm. and it's balancing for the digestion. So it, it absolutely helps to keep the digestion and optimal. It cleanses out. So it usually takes three to, to five days to begin to work. So when the, when the participants sign up, I ask that they go on to their trifala, which is 500 milligrams after each meal, and it helps to keep the bowels regular. Okay. So after they finish their one-week reset, um, they could continue with trifala on a daily basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Wonderful. Um, you talked about the niyamas and the yamas so tell me why um to, first of all tell me what they are and, and briefly and why they're important it's observances so things that we, we we bring into our practice and things that we abstain from right so we gently abstain from so we talked about the observances and the things we abstain because we brought in a meditation practice so it's it's uh we begin to work with the ethics of yoga, right? So the ethics of yoga um, tell us certain observances. They tell us certain things that we should avoid, satya, truthfulness. We should have purity, cleanliness. So many things that help a yogi to clear the mind. So when we sit for meditation, we're not worried about, uh, you know, stealing or theft or, right? We address it. And it's not to say that if you're doing these things now that you can't practice yoga, we bring in the highlight and saying these things will help to facilitate a meditation practice. Okay. So when we and do a reset, we need to slow down the mind, our reactionary mind, right? So yeah. in order to do that, we talk about the royal path, right? So we talk about Raja yoga. Wonderful. Uh, would, it, would it be correct to say that having a meditation practice without considering um, these ethical principles, the yamas and the niyamas, both the practices and the restraints, that it, it, it's important. This is a, these are the foundational elements to a meditation practice. Would, would that be correct? Yes, to mind control, to controlling the mind and the, the reactionary mind, absolutely. So Raja Yoga is the yoga of mind you know, creating a mind that can be uh, meditated, right? So instead of the concentration, we go to meditation. Mm -hmm. So it's an uh, ethical, ethics is a very important part of meditation. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, hmm. um, you incorporated during the week, many times, some Ayurvedic principles, and particularly, in particular, you spent um, some time talking about times of day, 
you know, the kapha time, the pitta time, the vata time. Um, if I'm new to Ayurveda, you know, what, what, why, why is it important for me to be aware of times of day and the sorts of activities mm -hmm. that are appropriate for certain times mm -hmm. of day? Well, when we're beginning to do a reset, we want to use the most subtle energies that we can. So if we have this, this is very basic information in Ayurveda. So it doesn't require a lot of study, but you would want to take your meditation time at a time that the universe is conducive to sitting, right? You want your, your study time at the time when the mind is engaged, right? So Pitta, 10 to two. So just the rudimentary, uh, the very beginning qualities of the dosha so that we can understand how to correctly begin our steady practice. Mm -hmm. Because of everything with yoga, the most important part is abhyasa, which is steady practice. Mm -hmm. And any foothold you can do that will allow you to get a little bit more ingrained and a little bit more into the practice, then it helps. So, sure. so Ayurveda is a sister science to yoga. Sure. So the practices in Ayurveda assist the yogi. Okay, wonderful. Uh, I think actually it, it relates to um, the study practice that you just described. You, you, during the course, you described that Sh Swami Shivananda um, said little by, recommended little by little, mm -hmm. which is essentially pr promoting steady practice. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that, right? Because we always want to just jump in with both <laughs> feet and change everything. But change is difficult, right? Yeah. So mind is very difficult to work with. So we need all of these little tools, these little, little, you know, subtle energy tools that help us to build our practice. Sure. To, to get to our intention, whatever sure. your intention is. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a very hopeful um, way also of looking at your practice um, and, um, you know, where you want to bring your life, that it really is that little by little incremental, but steady um, practice that brings results. Right. Yeah. With the understanding that yoga is not on the mat. That's a very little part of yoga. It's a very little part of what yoga is and what yoga can do for your life. That, of course, can do things for the body, moves the energy body. But yoga is everywhere, you know, throughout your day, through your choices that you're making throughout the day. Yeah, that's beautiful because um, especially in the U.S., I mean, it's shifting uh, that people, you know, once they get on the mat, they start exploring really the, the depth and the beauty of yoga. Absolutely. Uh, fortunately. Uh, but, you know, your description that yoga is much, much more and much deeper um, mm -hmm. than simply asana practice. Mm -hmm. So, which is a good beginning. I mean, this is not absolutely this is not awesome. Absolutely. Um, but when you sign up for a course, you start to learn the intricacies outside of the Hatha yoga. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah, let's see. Um, there, during the week, every day, um, there was a, there was a asana practice and, mm -hmm. um, Essentially, there were certain postures um, that you brought into the practice. It's a Shivananda yoga practice. So there's 12 postures. Um, and you also explained some of the benefits of these postures. Maybe we could just talk about one, shoulder stand. 
Uh-huh. Shoulder stand, that's wonderful. So shoulder stand, actually, if it's used properly and it's correctly gotten into, and you're, you're, you're taught how to get into it correctly, it's a panacea for elevating the mood, right? Mm -hmm. It also, in the physical body, recirculates the blood, right? So as you're into it, it actually can, can begin to change or open your mind to different beginnings, different perspectives. So it has a lot to do with, with, with more the mental than the physical, but there's a lot of physicals as well. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's, thank you for that. That's, um, yeah. it's a wonderful posture. Mm -hmm. And it pacifies Vata. It works on the doshas, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And pacifying Vata is good in the winter time. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I love the fact that you incorporated yoga nidra. And um, I know that I participated in the yoga nidra and I felt deeply relaxed. Mm -hmm. So um, many people will confuse yoga nidra with yoga. Um, mm -hmm. But what is yoga nidra? Why is it important in, in doing a reset in January? Well, for this course, it was very important because we're doing healing, right? We're doing a lot of self-healing, which Ayurveda is the science of self-healing. But yoga also is a sister science Ayurveda. So with the yoga nidra, I wanted to somehow begin to teach how we have to let go, right? Surrender, let go, right? Sometimes things don't, don't necessarily happen in the way our mind had, had, had wanted them to, but we have to feel that release of letting go. You know, it might not be ideal, but I'm letting go. And then when you set intention, right? When you visualize that the body is energized and it's, it's able to take suggestion very well. So I am, you know, my energy is amazingly balanced. Whatever, uh, whatever sentence you want to put in into the relaxed state takes a foothold, mm -hmm. right? And germinates. So mm -hmm. little by little, we erase the sometimes negative talk that we tell us like, oh, I'm so stupid or even casual things we say to ourselves. Oh, I sh I'm not very motivated, right? And when you talk to students, their, their language is peppered with that. So anytime you can counteract that, that judge or that negative thinking is a great, great benefit to the healing mm. of the body and the mind. Mm. Beautiful. So, so you. Yoga Nidra allows you to be receptive to change. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, you ended the course today, right before our interview, and uh, without you know, um, you, you asked for questions and there were a number of quite wonderful questions that you received from the students mm -hmm. and participants. Um, is there anything that really touched you, you know, finishing this one week reset together, you as a teacher or in relation to the students that you're gonna carry forward? I always am just in awe of students ability to adapt so quickly to the yoga practices, right? Because it's not mainstream, some of these practices. It's like, you know, can be a little bit off, like what I've never heard, but yet they're eager and they're willing to try, you know? So they, they come in with the beginner's mind. And I love to see at the end of the week, it's like, how can we get more information? How can we continue? You know, that, that beginner's mind, like I wanna go to the next semester, right? Yeah. So you, I am always in awe of that. I'm always in awe of the human spirit and the resilience and, and that ability to take a magnifying glass and look at ourselves and make those natural shifts 
you know, shift just a little bit of energy. And I, I just love the enthusiasm. I yeah. love the enthusiasm. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the students were, were held um, in a safe space this week and that, and that's really important. And I, um, assisting and participating, I think it was, um, amazing how things start to shift in the body. And, um, really that does help with our mental outlook and our, the healing of our mind, body, spirit. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's that wonderful upliftment of I'm doing this every day. You know, I'm, I'm on this and I'm doing it and I'm thriving and it's a beautiful place to be in. It's just, I, I wish that I could just hold them all and just take them to the next <laughs> phase, right? Because it's such the propensity to move back a little bit and then forward, forward, then back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And maybe hold is the operative word. Um, since we're doing everything remotely via Zoom, uh, it, it would be wonderful to hold in person. So... Thank you so okay. much, Mahalakshmi. You're I really so appreciate you sharing uh, about your your course that you just completed, your seven-day January reset at yeah. the Shivananda Yoga Farm in Grass Valley, California. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you.